So, tonight brings episode 52. And on deck, I have one of the coolest people in tech journalism and Apple aficionado, Brian Tong. Vibe Drive starts now. What's up, people? This your boy, Viper, the man about tech. And welcome back to another episode of Fight Drive. This is the podcast about tech, hosted by the man about tech. And tonight, I am bringing in one of the coolest cats in the tech space, former CNET tech journalist and Apple aficionado, Mr. Brian Tong is in the cut. What's up, Brian? How you doing, man? That's a hype intro right there, baby. That is hype. You know how we do. You know how know, we do. I know how my Viper does. That's sick. I yes, love it. Sir, you know it. How you doing tonight, Same man? Doing good, man. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And uh, honored to be kicking it with the Vibe Live community, the family. So thank you so much. Thank you for taking time out. I appreciate you, bro. No doubt. So first thing I want to ask you is, how did you get into tech? Like, what, what got you into technology originally? Well, I would say it was my parents because both of them were actually teachers. I don't come from a background where my parents were super technical or anything like that, but they were both, uh, my mom was an elementary school teacher. My dad was a college um, chemistry professor. So because they were in education at the time, we're talking about, let's rewind, I guess around like the eighties or so. And the reason why I'm an Apple kid is I was born and raised in the Bay area, Cupertino, the home of Apple computers was literally my backyard. And so because my parents were both teachers and I lived in Cupertino, it was inevitable that I was going to be sucked into <laughs> the fruit family, the ecosystem. It's just like, it just pulled me in. And so um, that's how I was introduced to it. Just really as a kid playing on, like sometimes my mom would bring the computer from her classroom back to our home for the summer. And that's how I got exposed to that. Um, so, so really it's just through education, which it's kind of different. Apple doesn't really make that mark in education as much anymore because their products are so expensive, right? It's all about Chromebooks. But that's how I got in um, and really was the first experience with Apple. It had been a pleasure having you on Team Apple, man. I've been watching you for a very, very long time. And I'm Team Everything. Hold up, hold up. <laughs> I am Team, of course. I'm in the ecosystem. You know, you know me. I keep it real with Apple. I love stuff. I definitely dig on stuff. I offer suggestions of how to get better. So I'm not one of those people that's going to complain and then never offer solutions. That's that's not that's not the answer for me. Right. But there's a lot of things that I love, and but the ecosystem does is real. Is it's real? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not saying that you're only Apple. <laughs> I'm just saying that a lot of your material, a lot of your content is Apple related, no doubt. So I guess you kind of answered my question, my later question. But what was the very first Apple product you ever had experience with? Well, I mean, from a day to day basis, it's literally. You can barely see it here, but it's my Apple II SE. That that is a computer that I grew up on, and so it's in the back. It's just kicking it there. But that is hey, look. There's some of my other junk back there. But that that's really the computer that I spent most of my time with. Um, we had earlier Apples when they only had the monochromatic green screen, and there was this game like called the Bruce Jenner Olympics. And dude, Bruce Jenner was like Bruce Jenner now. Caitlyn Jenner was like a, a little stick figure, but it did like hurdles with the keyboard and you're tapping away all this crazy stuff. It was so old school, but I think that because I grew up in a time where really that, that prime time of tech becoming 
vary from its infancy to now what it is today. It it blows my mind. Like all the young peeps, I've got nothing but love for you, but you all are spoiled. You're <laughs> absolutely spoiled. And then I think of my nieces and nephews right now that grew up on iPads. Ugh. What, <laughs> what's gonna what's what are they gonna see when they grow up? I'm just like, wow, y'all are lucky. Lucky ducks. Yeah, man. When me and you were growing up, we had to deal with uh cassette tapes and VHS and all this right old there, stuff that none of these kids know nothing about today, yeah. man. So I can definitely relate to what you're talking about, man. I think it but, gives you a different appreciation for how tech has evolved. And then you, you're able to at least see things that work, things that didn't. And then you're able to kind of almost see some of these patterns that play out today. So I, that's why I really love the fact that, you know, no matter what age you are, everyone has a different perspective, a different story. They're, they jump in at different times. But I think everyone's viewpoint is completely valid. And that's why I love being a part of this tech community, because there are so many diverse views, diverse faces, diverse opinions that everyone's matters. And uh, I, I think that's important. Absolutely. It's funny because when you go through the when you go through some of these YouTube comment sessions, right, you see all these <laughs> war between Apple and Android fanboys and things like that. But at the end of the day, tech pretty much brings all of us together in one way or another. It doesn't really matter what ecosystem you're in or what operating system you use. At some point, you're going to merge with the other side and it just brings us together. And that's one of the beautiful things about technology is how it brings us all together as far as communication and ways of life and things like that. Yeah. I mean, look, you and I are talking today because of tech. Like that's, yeah. that's straight up like you're able to hit me up on Twitter and I'm like, let's do this. Let's find some time. That's the beauty of bringing someone who I would have never been able to meet in person, but then have just like a real talk conversation and build kind of like a bond over time of just you know, saying hi, saying what's up. That's powerful. I mean, obviously tech has its drawbacks as well. And, uh, but I think overall the, the benefits outweigh the negatives for sure. Absolutely. And this, um, actually, this is not the first time me and you have talked online. I think I called into one of your live stream events when you were doing a uh, re Apple reaction. I mean, you were reacting to an Apple event. I called into your stream though. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know yeah. I mean? You got, you got to love it. You got to love it. Do it live. I think that's, you get the rawest emotion. You can also, I would just say, I think being able to talk and discuss and um, have a back and forth conversation really tells you about the person that you're listening to, because we can all do videos. We can all edit videos and make X, Y, and Z sound a certain way or appear a certain way. But it's all about like, to me, it's like talking to a real person as face to face as possible and really just getting genuine, authentic reactions. Uh, I think that's important. I, I think that is maybe in a weird way, a lost art tech, <laughs> tech has kind of made it a little bit of a lost art Viper. That's what I'm saying. No, no, no. You are absolutely right because, I mean, think think about how much we rely on our tech. I mean, our friend uh, Sarah Dietrich just did a video where she had to go 24 hours in Tokyo without any sort of IBM-connected device. And, like, she had to use the actual paper map to get around Tokyo. So when we get the tech taken away from us, it really just hits home, hits hard how much we rely on tech. So you are absolutely right about that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I want to talk about your, your recent transition. I think you've been on YouTube for what, about a year and a half, two years now? Yes, maybe? sir. Yeah, about a year and a half now, like completely independent, thanks to a lot of people supporting and watching and just like the community embracing me, which was a big deal for me because, um, you know, I've been doing it for a while and I really found it a challenging. I, you know, I always respected the YouTube world, but once I started doing it, like literally doing it, shooting, writing, editing myself, it brought that my respect um, to another level. Cause once you're, you don't know how it is until you're in it. But then what I appreciated is a lot of the um, YouTubers that I followed and watched and admired, they were like welcoming me with open arms. And I think that because 
in a weird way, now that we all go through the same stuff, it's almost kind of like you've got those battle scars, you've paid your dues. Whereas before when I was at the other company, you know, I had people editing for me. I could write and shoot and edit, but I had other people doing it all the time. So no matter what, I now understand where it's like, man, you don't really, really know how it is. Now I really know how it is. And I'm just very thankful that everyone has been super welcoming and uh, it's been it's been an adventure. It's been probably the most um, rewarding experience. It's also the most work I've ever done, but uh, I'm just still kind of, you know, I'm only a year and a half in. I'm still building up and just ultimately we'll keep doing this as long as I enjoy it and I have fun with it and just be aware of I, I burned hard in year one because I had to, but I'm really trying to basically take care of myself while working my butt off and just enjoy the ride. Absolutely. No doubt, man. No doubt. It's all about enjoying what you do. And you, you are one of the people that have made like a very smooth transition from like working for a tech publication to actually being your own independent tech creator and things like that. So talk to me a little bit more about how you adjusted to from working at the other company. We won't mention their name to being <laughs> your own. <laughs> right, right. To being your own independent content creator, because you know what, Brian? A few months ago, I think, actually, no, about a year ago, I think it was at the uh, Apple services event or whatever. Actually, no, I think maybe it was at the uh, iPhone keynote. I, I saw some tweets from some of your your online tech publication journalist friends about how they were, like, turning their nose up at YouTubers because I guess YouTubers were, like, clapping or celebrating a certain milestone by Apple and things like that. So I think over the past, like, few years, maybe three or four or five years, there's been this, like, kind of battle between online content creators, YouTubers or whatever, and real tech journalists and things like that so talk about why why is that there i don't understand why that is to me there's no need for that but it's definitely there it's palpable sometimes this is this okay viper you're hitting on a really interesting topic here within the community i know this is inside baseball to everyone that watches but i think it's interesting because i talked to the bunch of the youtubers about it as well because i'm one of those rare breeds that has made the transition and completely crossed over right and this is this is what it comes this is where it comes from okay a the reality and I'm not making this up, but there's a there's a little bit of jealousy from these large tech publications about the attention and the love that YouTubers get. And here's why. And you have to think of it this way. And you look at both sides of the coin. So I went to broadcast journalism. So I went to school for journalism. I have a degree in journalism. And all these peers that I worked with um, at these major publications typically do. So what happens when you go to journalism school, there's literally guidelines and rules of journalistic integrity and um things you can say, facts, source checking, how to be objective. And so journalists come by a specific rule book and that's important, right? But then as influencer culture and YouTube culture grew, all the YouTubers I talked to, because I asked them, I'm, they're like, I talked to them, I'm like, hey, I, I need this tool because I'm reporting this. And they're like, reporting, they're like, oh, that's your thing. And, and when we start talking about, look, influencers don't see themselves as journalists. Right. They see themselves as hobbyists, as people that love or don't like or dislike these products, these companies, these services. So they're going to be a lot more opinionated. They are going to have more influence. And quite honestly, they don't have to play by journalist rules because they're not journalists. They don't see themselves as journalists. Even these large companies don't see them as journalists. My first experience, you know, year one, I got invited to the Google event from Google. Um, I made it very clear. Google flew me out to the event in New York. Google let us get hands on the product. I felt really lucky, and but I experienced, I understand where some of this, again, this jealousy comes from. The influencer group, 
right? You got, you know, all, all the familiar faces there that you're used to. We got our own area to get into the building before the journalists who were waiting in like a big old cattle call line. We got piped in, we got prime seating and they let the general audience, general journalists go in and hunt for their own seats. That's different, right? Influencers are getting early access to product before major companies are now, before brands are. That's been happening now. That's kind of transitioned or at the same time, that transition has started happening over the past maybe I would say four to five years, mm-hmm. you know, where now you've got, you know, like Marquez and everyone getting the products before these brands that follow the rules because in the culture, they don't have, they may be a big brand, but they don't have as much influence. Right. And, you know, I can't, I will not speak poorly of my past employee. There's a lot of people that I love there, but there is a huge jealousy and it's not even from them. It's from other outlets that don't feel it's fair. It's right. It's about what's fair. But the fact is that influencers look at this coverage as like, I'm doing an awesome video about something that I like and I have my opinions and I'm going to say whatever I want. Journalists are like, I'm going to be fair. I'm going to be balanced. I'm going to play by the rules. And I still don't get early access versus this influencer. So that's where you have a lot of the beef. It's a misunderstanding of where each side comes from. And I really talk because I love talking to people and really getting like, what makes them tick and why why is this we had a deep conversation in taxi it was like um oh man there was like four or five of us and then because i had come from the crossover they were learning they're like oh my gosh i didn't even think of it that way and then i i was like oh i get it now you guys look at this like this is just what i love and have fun doing and so i feel like i'm this weird hybrid where i still do a little of both and that's okay like we're all different and so um to me it's just about making great content that is factual, that's fun, that's opinionated. And, um, you know, my goal was to at least pay the bills year one. It was really tough. I did that. I have the help with some people um, supporting me on Patreon as well, because I do an audio podcast, I do videos, you know. um, So it's, it's been a journey. But that is really, I really like, not many people talk about it. And I'm just telling you right now, it's jealousy. And it's a misunderstanding of each other. I think so, because I think from where I'm standing, I, I, I'm, I'm not a journalist. I've never been a journalist. I'm more of a YouTuber influencer. I don't even like the word influencer. Yeah, but that's what we that's what we're labeled as. So I'll just run with it for now. But <laughs> I think if it was up to us YouTubers influencers, I think we would kind of coexist with journalists without no issue. But it seems like the journalists, and maybe just me because I'm looking at it from one side of the lens, and I'm not. I don't have that journalist lens like you do. But it just seems like the journalists just turn their nose up at YouTubers, and mm-hmm. I'm just like. The YouTubers just want to work. They just want to coexist in harmony. They don't. They're not trying to say they're better than journalists. Like you said, YouTubers don't want to be identified as journalists. So it's not like YouTubers are trying to like one up journalists. They just want to like they just want to enjoy the product, talk about them to their audience and things like that. But like I said, it seems to me anyway like the journalists just turn their nose up because they got a piece of paper saying that they have a journalism degree. Blah blah blah. And as next YouTuber doesn't have that piece of paper, and that automatically makes the journalist better than. And I'm just like, it doesn't work like that in 2020. Mm-mm. Yeah, you know, you know, the other factor here is that so sometimes, right, the fact that influencers slash YouTubers slash creators, whatever we want to call them, I'm gonna call them yicks, YouTuber, influencer, creator, we'll call it yicks. Okay, <laughs> okay. So let's call it let's, So these yicks. All right. They have to make a living. They take brand deals. They work directly with some of these tech companies. Um, they work with multiple tech companies. Sometimes they'll work with three different phone manufacturers, and that's fine, right? They're influencers. The journalists hate that because they can't do that, right? A journalism organization is supported, believe it or not, by advertising, right? right? 
There have been times where I've worked at a large company before, and there have been certain decisions that have been made because of these large companies that pay advertising for them, right? Mm -hmm. They, so there is, to me, there is no like pure idealist ideal of what journalists is when they have deliberately made decisions, specifically the whole taking the, there was a dish DVR product at CES that was awarded a uh, best of CES award by said publication, but because their parent company was in a legal battle with dish, they took away the award. Ooh. So if you're going to complain about influencers making brand deals and trying to make a living, because this is, I'm telling you right now, we, most people tell you it is hard to make a living just on YouTube. You've got to do a lot of things. Those yeah. who are lucky and fortunate enough, like, major props them because they did all the work to get there but this it is not easy trust me i'm still i can't do it all i i'm still i'm still building up it's not like oh yeah i'm in a good spot like no it's like this is i'm giving myself a three-year run to give it my all and we'll see what happens but again even these large companies are dictated by some of the sponsorships and promotions that they are ad deals that they have signed and so for them to get mad at influencers it's it's stupid it's bunk it is because in recent years, the FTC has come down really hard on YouTube and creators and how creators disclose brand relationships and uh, ad deals and things like that. So it is now illegal for creators to have a relationship with a brand, like if a brand files into a creator's video or things like that. It is illegal for the creators to hide that information. So it's not like it's not the Wild West. It might have been in the past. But right now, 2020, it is not the Wild West. Mm -hmm. We as creators, influencers, we have a lot of regulations that we have to abide by. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we can end up being sued. So, I mean, I, again, when the journalists think that we can just do whatever we want, not so much. Even, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's, again, also, if you're working for a large, um, a large company and you have a company that has 200, 300 people, you're and you you get uh you know it's part of working for big companies in, in this field you know you get a paycheck every two weeks you get benefits and stuff you're you're in a lot cushier situation than every youtuber that hasn't blown up to the point where they don't have to worry about that stuff right and so right they might be mad at influencers but to me i say look don't be jealous unless you've been in our shoes and i've been in both i've been on both shoes so i see both sides um, but I just don't think there's any reason for beef at all. But you know what? I'm going to tell you the beef starts from those large organizations to your point towards the influencers because they're jealous and they're jealous of some of the access they get that they don't feel is deserved because they went to school. And again, I went to journalism school, so I see both sides of the coin. I, this is new media. The media world has changed. You know, I think I talked about, I talked about this uh, a lot in the, like the last year or so, but the thing that I think journalists don't realize that, like you said earlier, it is not easy being an independent content creator. I mean, think about the YouTubers, influencers that got access to the Mac Pro early. There was only three, to my knowledge, Marquez, Justine, Jonathan Morrison. That is it. Everybody else, not so much. So you have to build an audience before brands even will look at you personally. You have to build like a substantial audience. And that takes years of work. We're talking about Unbox Therapy, I just think. Linus Tech Tips, Mark and Brownlee, uh, 
That's like Any, Mount Rushmore. That's like Mount Rushmore. Right. Of, but like, but think about it. But all those people that I just named have been doing it for 10 plus exactly. years. So when journalists want to look down on influencers and things like that, I'm like, do you realize how long we've been, how long they've been doing this? This is, like, this is not overnight. Like they put in work. And I always talk about this a lot on these streams. It's all about maintaining that credibility with your audience because people are not dumb, Brian. Like, you know, people have access to a lot of information today. Anybody with a smartphone has the world at their fingertips. So if an influencer comes on their YouTube channel and starts spouting nonsense, their audience will know that immediately, not immediately, immediately they will know that they're spouting nonsense and they will unsubscribe in droves. So you have to maintain that level of credibility with your audience. And the way that you do that is by knowing what the hell you're talking about, doing your research. <laughs> And presenting the information in a way that your viewer can digest so you'll be somebody they want to come back to time and time again mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that takes time practice repetition that does not happen overnight nope it doesn't so i just think that they should just get over themselves and everything will be better it'll be fine you know but again i see why they're mad and upset trust me i've been in plenty of those there's a reason why you know being independent has been a good thing for me and it's like you hear some of the conversations that happen in those rooms and you're just like, you have no idea what you're all talking about, you know? So no, no, not at all. So Brian, yes, sir. I, I, I love watching your content, man, because you genuinely have fun, whatever it is you're doing. Any, <laughs> anytime you're talking about tech, you got a smile on your face. You got a high energy. You're having fun. I love watching you. Thanks, bro. So, no doubt, man. Respect. Thank so you, you just got back from CES. So I'm curious, talk about your experience at this year's CES. CS is a uh, is great. Uh, you know, uh, one of the things that I criticize people is there's you see a lot of people that are like, oh, CES, like I can't. Oh, I hate it. I can't. I'm like, you know what? Shut up, y'all. Because and the reason why I say that is CS is something that I always wanted to go to when I was a high school kid. And so I think that the way that I have really not by choice, but it's just the way I am. I feel like grateful for all the experiences I've been able to have and enjoy and just experience as like a kid from a place where I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I was necessarily supposed to be here and media, the way it developed allowed me to be, but I look at everything as like, what would junior high, high school, Brian feel like? And I always wanted to go to CES. So I love CES. There are stupid ass things at CES. There are great things. There's things we'll never see. But to me, even though it is so much work, especially being independent now, I love it. So a, anyone who ever just, gives you that vibe of like, oh, here's another CS. I'm like, you know how many people would die to be in your spot? Like literally, <laughs> that's what I'm saying, right? So none of this crap about, you know, oh, I can't, oh, my company's going to fly me and it's so dry. It's like, dude, that is that is straight up privilege. Woo! That is tech privilege. We ain't even talking about, we're talking about tech privilege. <laughs> right. Tell them, baby. Tell them what's up, baby. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> So I love a great experience. My second year independent at CES. What was the coolest piece of tech you thought of this year? I would say the coolest theme and which really got me excited is I've been excited about the foldable train. I know we have a long ways to go with foldables, but this was the first year that it felt real where you had, we already know Dell, um, Microsoft's working on stuff. Lenovo showed some stuff off. Dell showed some stuff off. TCL showed some stuff off. And yeah. the fact of the matter is that, yes, these form factors are early. Some people are like, oh, I don't know. Damn, I, I'm telling you right now, that Galaxy uh, Flip Z, that is the type of phone, even in generation one, that is going to excite people. I think, it, quite honestly, even though Motorola has the Razer, 
I think that Samsung, because of what they've already learned with the first Fold, that Flip Z will be better than the Motorola, um, the the new Motorola. I can't off the top of my head. I always think of Razer, Razer, Razer. Yep. But even at that, I'm looking at foldables three, four years from now. And what I saw at CES told me, like, this is going to happen. This is real. Will I eventually buy one? I don't know yet. But I, I feel like I, I will in eventually because what they're doing in the form factors, it's exciting. It's new. It's fresh. It actually has a function. And so foldables got me the most excited at CES. Yeah, I think when we first learned about foldable coming, I was kind of questioning the practicality. But I think as they developed more and more over the past year. I'm starting to see legitimate use cases for foldables. I mean, there's a whole Galaxy Fold army on Twitter that I follow, Mr. Mobile, Soldier No Best, MK, PhD, Mac Weinbach. They're all loving their fold. They're going gaga over the fold. So I'm like, if all of these dudes who are very smart, highly intelligent dudes are loving this Galaxy Fold, there must be something to it. Maybe one day I'll get to you when I don't know, but there's something to it because some of the brightest people in tech are just genuinely enjoying the fold. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Have you gotten a chance to use the fold? Yeah, you know, I mean, I haven't, you know, when I was a, uh... When I start off, I didn't get a review unit or anything like that. I, I was in a position where I could just drop the cash on it, quite honestly. You know, I'm like still building up. Um, but every mo- every instance that I've used it and experienced it, um, yeah, it is still early, but there's a charm to it. There, you know, the, the whole thing about some of these new devices, about any device, is when you hold it in your hand, does it excite you? Now, the iPhone may not excite me as much as it used to. It's still a great product. I Quite honestly, oh, yeah. actually, the 11 Pro is one of the most exciting iPhones that I've had in a long time. because. Yeah. This camera is just the camera functionality. The overall experience is on point. It, I was bored of iPhones until I finally got the 11 Pro, quite honestly. And I'd be the first to tell everyone that. And I also you know, said, hey, the 11 Pro is an amazing, it's one of the best iPhones we've seen, arguably to me, since like the 5 or the 4S. So beyond that, it's about when you pick these things up and you might not know exactly what it's supposed to do or what it's trying to tell you, but you feel something, you experience something, you're like, and a light bulb goes on your head and you're like, okay, I'm down with this. That, that with any tech, I think that's really exciting. And the Galaxy Fold accomplishes that, even though you know it's still not true, true, ready for prime time for mainstream. I think for the tech fan that enjoys and admires companies that push that envelope to bring new experiences and bring new ideas that have practicality and functionality, that is exciting. And so I'm gonna always celebrate innovation because if someone doesn't push it, you know, we we don't progress nearly as far as we do. We just don't. Like, so if people freak out about 8K, look, no one needs an 8K TV anytime soon, but I still love the fact that it's there. Yeah, I think it's funny. I think I've made that point. I'm like, why are all these companies raising the 8K and we don't even have 4K yet? But like you said, tech is always going to evolve anyway. So it's pretty cool to see these companies push the envelope. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Shout out to my man, El Jefe. Review my head security with a super chat. Thank you, sir. He's What's hoping up, El Jefe? Yeah, he's hoping to meet you up, meet up with you at a uh, Galaxy Unpacked in a couple of weeks, no doubt, man. I'll be there, bro. So just just say hi. I mean, I don't I don't bite. I mean, I'm just like I'm just like a little Asian skunk. So yeah, let, let's I, talk. I let, let's talk about El Hefe for me. Let's talk about El Hefe because he's always talking about how he's scared to come up to these bigger creators and say hello. And I'm like, bro, they're human. Just go say hello. You see my man Brian just say, come up to him, say hello, man. It's cool, El Hefe. <laughs> go say hello, man. There better be a selfie between Brian and El Hefe at Unpacked. Otherwise, I'm coming after you, El Hefe. I'm coming after you, bro. I'm coming after you. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, I mean. It's always, it's always, a, uh, you know, I'm always flattered and it's always awesome. You know, quite honestly, it's fun where, because I, you know, I'm an older cat than a lot of people think, but when some of the YouTubers and uh, creators that I finally, finally get to meet in person, they're like, dude, I've been watching you since I was 
this age. I'm like, <laughs> woo, man. My- you know what? I I I I love it because there's respect that goes both ways. It's it's real. Think about this, Piper. It's like really weird because I was doing CNET before YouTube was YouTube, right? And then YouTube became the thing, and then now I'm on YouTube. So quite honestly, like all these creators have paved the path for me to make this transition. So I can do nothing but respect all the blood, sweat, and tears, and hours, and just hard work and frustration and emotional roller coasters that they went through that have allowed me to even have a chance to do this on my own without them. I do not, I'm not able to do this on my own. And so I respect them um, just as much as some of the respect that they've shown to me uh, across the board. So, you know, I, I feel very, very lucky that I was able to make that transition. I'm in the same boat with you, man. I think when Marquette won the shorty of the decade award, I think it was a year or two ago, I think I made a dedicated video thanking him for his contribution because he paved the way for people like me to get into the tech space and do tech videos. So shout out to all these creators that have been doing it for such a long time and holding that high standard of uh, creativity and output that people have just come to respect. Because as you know, Brian, back in the early days of YouTube, being a YouTuber was a joke. People were like, YouTuber, that's not a real job. I mean, we still got some stupid cats doing that today. Yeah, they still do it today, but... I think today, if you say, if you tell somebody that you're a YouTuber, at least they have a better understanding of what it is that we do. It's not like 10 years ago where they just found a nose up, but you're like, what is that? That ain't no real job. What is that? But yeah, absolutely, man. Shout out to all, all the big timers that paved the way, man. No doubt. So, you know that we got new iPhones coming later this year. Supposedly, they're coming with 5G. So, what is your outlook on iPhones in 2020? I think, I mean, it's, it's going to be arguably the biggest year for iPhone in 2020. I mean, not only will it be 5G. Who knows if they put a fingerprint sensor. The camera is going to get even better with this time of flight depth sensor. 2020, I mean, quite honestly, the iPhone 11 Pro surprised me. But even before the Pro came out, I know people put out these videos all the time, but I really backed it up with like 10 different points of why the 2020 iPhone is the iPhone to get. You know, mm-hmm. it is the one to get. It is the next big generational shift. Um, yeah, some people be like, well, I'll wait till the 20, the one after the 2020 iPhone. That's fine. But this is really that next big leap where we look at from a technological standpoint and even software standpoint. Um, the 2020 is the cat's meow, man. So that's it's going to be, a, quite honestly, from a hardware standpoint, it's going to be a special year for Apple, meaning they're going to be releasing a lot of new stuff and new things. Maybe we see these glasses are not fine. I I don't really think we'll see it next year, but if we do, kudos to them. But just across the board, they position themselves where now, they after all the years of me piling on saying like, care about the customers that matter, they finally started doing it in 2019. You look at products like the Mac Pro where they finally listen. You look at products like the iPhone where they legitimately listen. They uh, with you know battery life and camera. Yeah. Wow, the two fundamental things that are <laughs> that are just what you want in a phone they finally respond i've been ripping on the macbook pro keyboard since day one people didn't believe me they're like oh it's fine i'm like no it's not like trust me but people are like you're crazy you know you don't know what you're talking about blah 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 now oh my gosh this is a great keyboard oh my gosh this is better than i ever expected i'm like nah i told you that four or five years ago so (laughs) apple is the reality is that all these changes happened in 2019 but apple it takes about two to three years for a product life cycle to be in development and for them to actually get, bring it to market. So they finally started hearing us about two, three years ago 
over the past two, three years, we were pissed off and frustrated because anyone who's been in the ecosystem is like, what are you doing? So finally, you can see that there was a point where a lot of people were really frustrated. They listened and now they're moving towards really being a company that I feel like older, old school fans and new school fans can really get behind. But at the same time, you know, there's so much ex other exciting stuff going out there. Like quite honestly, one of the big things if we jump back to CES and we link it back to Apple real quick is that Apple is so behind in the smart speaker, smart. Assistant. Oh my God. It's a joke. Don't it's, get me started on HomePod. Don't yeah, get me started. Right. It's not. It's, so it's like, you know, you could talk about HomePod all you want, but it's about Siri. You know, I know Apple is more secure. I've talked about this on my podcast, on my shows. I went to CES. They had a freaking Amazon. Like you could talk to a bed, like a pillow, a car, a shower head. And that might sound wacky and goofy, but it illustrates how Amazon is everywhere. I think they just announced at CES that they were compatible with 100,000 smart home devices. Yep. Okay. Amazon's platform dominates the U.S. market for smart speakers. It, it dominates. It's 70% of the U.S. market. I know this because I cover this so much, right? Google is around 25-ish. Okay. Still a nice chunk. Apple is at 5%. So... Now we go to CES, Amazon announces we support over 100,000 smart home devices. One of the biggest limits to Apple is not only that Siri isn't smart enough, Siri doesn't support enough devices. If you today go to Apple's HomeKit site to find out what gadgets are compatible with Siri, I'm going to just let you throw out a, just a total guess. If Amazon is at 100,000, Viper, uh, what do you think Apple's HomeKit supported smart home devices is around? If you had to guess, let's throw a number. I'm not trying to test you or call you out. 50. Okay. Lower, but it's just ah! a little. No, no, I'm just kidding. Your, your number is lower. It's just a little over, I think around, it's around 200, 250. Oh, okay. But that's 100,000 yes. to 250. That's horrible. Yeah. Because they're so locked down about it. You know, they need to open it up. They need to make it more accessible. When I mean accessible, make a small HomePod mini, make it cheaper. You got to get this stuff everywhere. They have all the pieces in place, but I think because Apple is has their attention in so many places, they just can't do it. They their attention is in so many buckets now, but they are trailing on the number one most grow, you know, the biggest growth area, and really, quite honestly, the most practical um, tech space that is growing and has the most excitement behind it. Uh, they and it's not going to change anytime soon, but there it looks bad. It looks. It looks so bad. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the recent alliance between Apple, Microsoft, Google. Do you think that'll hap uh, help Apple in the smart home game at all? Well, you know, if, if it helps them, it helps them maybe two years from now because, look, this is an alliance that they're all like, oh, handshake, handshake. Well, they've got to create a standard. They've right. all got to agree to that standard, and they've all got to get on board on that, and then all these other manufacturers have to get on board with that. That takes time. That doesn't happen in six months. That doesn't happen in a year. That happens in two years, three years. So... Even though that alliance is nice in theory, it doesn't move the needle at all right now. It might in three years or so, two, three years, but it, it, it doesn't do anything right now. So that's why, again, even if you're hoping Apple to close the gap anytime soon, it's not going to happen. Yeah, but I think, I think I'm approaching it from a perspective as at least now that the, the alliance is in place, it will give Apple a reason to start moving towards something because right now they have pretty much no existence in the smart home game. So 
hopefully the Alliance will start the movement of Apple proliferating their services and products into that space because it is no reason why there should be like very the minimum smart home presence that Apple has. There should be no reason for like you got a whole ecosystem of all these devices. And when you get to the smart home, you what you got to think for yourself? Home it's the biggest one, man. It's the home pod? Home pod? That's the best you can do. <laughs> Good Lord. Stop. Just stop. It's ridiculous. I will I will tell you for the record, uh, very early on in the HomePod's life, Best Buy was doing a refurb of the HomePod for $199. So I bought it just to have it so I could really continue to follow its progress. It gets a little few features here and there, but it's important to, if I'm going to criticize a product that I'm not a big fan of, it sounds amazing, but everything beyond that, it is just duty, yeah. right? So yep. I, I, you know, and the price is too high for it. Um, it's, it's a product that needs a, Apple just really needs to, do a little soul searching when it comes to the HomePod um, to, to kind of be relevant in that space. And I, I figure they will in time, but it's not happening like anytime soon. As Brian talked with a, that's a bad Apple. That's a bad Apple. <laughs> you, know, you know how we do. You know how we, we do. Like I said, I've been watching for a long time. Yeah, man. You know, we know we do it. You know we right, do it. What's up, man? What's up? <laughs> so you are going to the Unpacked event in a couple of weeks. Yes, sir. So you know that all the specs leaked out about the Galaxy S20, S20 Plus, S20 Ultra. But this S20 Ultra, Brian, is looking like a monster, man. Talking about a 108-megapixel camera, 40-megapixel front-facing camera, 5,000 milliamp-hour battery. What do you think about what Samsung is bringing to the table this year? I love I love it. My voice cracked. I'm so excited. <laughs> I, I, I love it. I this is, this is the phone that is setting the benchmark for 2020. You know, from a spec standpoint... I think obviously if you're a Samsung fan and you're in the Samsung Samsung ecosystem, you're going to love this thing. This thing is a powerhouse. Again, we haven't even seen it. We haven't even got our hands on it. But when you look at what is being published, people in the tech world are like, sheesh, like this is <laughs> impressive. And so I love it. It forces other companies to continue to step up their game. It sets, again, the benchmark for what the expectation for 2020 should be from a phone. And again, an iPhone may not match up to it, probably won't. They'll still sell a whole bunch of iPhones because of the power of their ecosystem. But I don't, you know, I've been covering this long enough. Like, I don't care about that. I just care about just the amazing tech and the fact that things are moving forward and how they do it in small ways and big ways. Samsung has always been doing that. I mean, quite honestly, Samsung is the type of company also that I used to call them like back in the day. It didn't make sense, but it was like spaghetti sung. It's like, come on, son. Yeah, yeah. Because they just throw whatever's on the wall, yeah. and whatever sticks on that wall, they went with. I feel like the first S3 or S4, they had like 20 different phones, and all of a sudden that became the phone that people started talking about. And they're like, oh, that's the one. And so it's part of their um, DNA to try these new things. And they have the resources, whether they fail or not. We know about the whole debacle of the Note 8, exploding Note 8s. We know about the debacle of the Fold you know, having issues, but that, you know what, they've been pretty damn resilient and I got to give them all the love and respect because they have pushed Apple further. They've pushed everyone else further. I mean, Apple has copied a lot of the business practices of multiple models at multiple sizes to big yep. screens, all these things that SJ said he would never do. <laughs> Apple's doing now. Yep. So, um, you can only, you can only give them props and again, their, their actual physical hardware is beautiful. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Samsung, I mean, as much as, as you as you rag on them about uh, the lack of cell foot or S-line devices and things like that, Samsung has definitely pushed the industry forward. I mean, like you said, they had the spaghetti model, just do all these things at the wall and whatever stick they went with it. I mean, 
Samsung is probably the single reason why foldables are becoming a thing because once people saw Samsung will get into it, mm-hmm. now okay, this doesn't look like it's gonna catch on. So now we got Huawei in the game. Now we got TCL, Microsoft. I mean, you got all these other different companies. I mean, it's been rumored that Apple has a patent out there that they're working on a foldable. So now foldables are becoming a thing because Samsung kind of initiated it. They kind of started to push towards wireless charging. I mean, Samsung, I think, was the first mainstream company that put wireless charging on their on their phones. Now it took about two or three years before it reached widespread adoption, but Samsung initiated the wireless charging adoption. So Samsung is responsible for a lot of the movement that we see in the tech space, and they are legit. Yeah, no, I mean they're they're a great company, and every company has its um its warts, but uh, what they've contributed and what they've done overall, um, amazing, amazing. Absolutely. So I am curious, since I know you are in the Apple ecosystem, what is your favorite Apple device and why? There's two. Probably my the most to me still the most exciting Apple device in their uh, product line is the Apple Watch. Mm. I, even though you know I have an Apple Watch Series Four, I did not upgrade to the Apple I Watch. Didn't series, I didn't yeah, either. I didn't either because then there was no need to. Quite honestly, yep. the whole the whole um I, I honestly I bought one for review. If I was if it was good enough, I was going to keep it. Um, for how I use my phone, it didn't really change the game enough for me, so I returned it. You know that's. Yep. That's fair. I mean, I, I will review it as someone who uses it on daily. Now, if you had a three and you're looking to upgrade, yeah, the five is great. Or you want to save some money, you can find a four somewhere. Yep. Do it. But I still think the Apple Watch is the most exciting product in Apple's product line because it can still do, there's so much more space to grow. It mm-hmm. can still be an even bigger um, health tracking device. It is kind of the evolution of maybe, you know, one day there will be people and, you know, it's started to happen a little bit that you don't even need a phone. Yeah. You know, I like, I like, working out i don't bring my phone with me i just take my apple watch mm-hmm. i can be in touch with who i need to be i can listen to music i can check out like it's an amazing amazing product and so that's my quite honestly my favorite apple product and then second favorite um i think it it it, it changed before it was absolutely the ipad pro i love the big screen i'm a when i travel which i do travel a lot i read comics i'm a big comic book junkie um so that screen makes a difference for me i'll media consumption content but I would have to say the 11 Pro has moved up right as mm. my right there because of the camera. And if people that are listening that know, Filmic Pro finally just released their finally. new double take app that allows you to use to record two cameras from this phone out of the four lenses it has at once. You can choose different ones. That is a game changer for how we use this device. Yeah, it is a game changer for content creators. It's a game changer for storytelling for social media. It is, you know. There's not many apps that you could say this fundamentally changes how I'm going to use my phone in the future. So that elevates its status for me. If you're talking about Apple devices, um, yeah, that, I think those those would be the at the top of my list. Um, but you know, Apple's done great things this year. I, I can't really complain too much about the stuff. The MacBook Pro 16 inches bomb. You know, there's there's just a lot of just solid things they've done. The Mac Pro is not for me. It's not for 99% of people. I'm not going to buy one. I don't have the money to buy one. I'd be the first to say that and not be ashamed of it. Cause I think, I think in a weird way, sometimes there's this idea in, in the tech community that you have to have the best. And there's a little bit of flexing that happens sometimes. And you know what? You can still be badass. You don't need to flex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like just cause you flex doesn't mean you're actually cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, that, that's just, that just comes from here. So, um, you know, you don't have to have the best stuff to, and I, I hate it when people talk to me and they're like, Oh, you know, I don't have the news. So I'm like, I don't care. I'm like, do you love it? They're like, yeah. I'm like, then that's awesome. You know, 
I'm glad you brought up the Apple Watch because this has to be the most underrated consumer electronic product maybe ever. Like, I don't think enough people will take into account that this watch could potentially save your life. Like, mm -hmm. what other mainstream consumer electronic device can potentially save your life? I don't know of any. Do you know of any? I don't know. Nope, other than my girlfriend or my mom if they're nearby. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think your girlfriend or your mom qualifies as a consumer no, mainstream no, electronic no, device, no, but no, hey, no, you know they what happened. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't. <laughs> but seriously, I don't think people I don't think people will like give the Apple Watch the credit it deserves. So I'm glad you brought it up because I love my Apple Watch and I feel the same way that you do. I did not feel the need to upgrade to the three five because the only difference is the compass app and the always on display things which I really don't care about or don't need. So Hopefully, Apple will bring more with the Apple Watch Series 6, but I guess we'll find out in September. I, sh I mean, I shower it with so much love. Um, once the Series once the series uh, 4, I mean, really, the Series 3 is when they finally figured it out. Yep. And then the Series 4 with the big screen was that next true, like, okay, now we know what we're doing. And I, I get it. The way that even Apple develops products, and I've talked to people at Apple, is, you know, when they put out a first gen everyone knows like oh some people say don't get the first generation don't get the first generation <laughs> apple deliberately doesn't make it this like perfected device yet because they actually want us the guinea pigs the early adapters to not only use it but to see the direction of how people are using it and then move the product in that direction so for example they didn't expect the apple watch to be such a uh, a health-driven device as such one of its main selling features. And as time went on and as technology evolved, they were able to put more sensors. Now people are talking about the Apple Watch as a health device. Apple is talking about it as a health device. Yep. You look at something like the iPad, the team that built the iPad originally laughed at the idea of taking photos on an iPad. <laughs> I destroy, I burn everyone who freaking holds up that <laughs> damn slate at a concert like that yep. there was like obama was like walking down during like people are like holding up their damn ipads like <laughs> no no but guess what people used it and so what did apple do they saw that they did not expect they literally laughed about it in their boardrooms well they started putting better cameras on the ipad yep. we, we expect to see a dual lens camera on the new ipad because people started using them to yep. take freaking photos yes. the viewfinder dear lord the viewfinder i just so big I so, just talked about this in my video, I think it was yesterday or the day before yesterday. I was talking about how the best Android tablet is an iPad. And I was talking about one of the big impacts of iPad is tablet photography. For, for whatever reason, people have actually taken to using their iPad to take pictures, which is, like you said, kind of crazy. And you laugh about it, but it's happened. I'm going to still be judgmental. I have the right to judge <laughs> on what I want to judge. Because for years, you know, I've been saying, that's a bad Apple. Like, no, I will not. I'm not down with the iPad photographer, but you know what? If that's what you got, if that's the best camera you got, hey, I ain't gonna hate. Yeah, you got, hey, no doubt, no doubt. You gotta do what you gotta do, man. You gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> so before we wrap this up real quick, man, I got a lot of up and camera creators that watch my podcast and my live stream. So I'm curious if you have any advice, given that you've made the interesting transition from tech pub to independent content creator. So do you have, Brian, any up and come, uh, any uh, advice, I can't talk, for up and coming creators on the YouTube or wherever they may be creating? Well, I think a um, like anything, it takes a lot of resiliency and perseverance. You know, yes, I get it. Like I like all of the upcoming creators would first like really obsess about, you know, because uh, to me, I was like, hey, I need to try and make a living off this because I'm literally going cold turkey from a big company to now being an independent creator on my own. I was blessed and lucky that I, at least I had some level of audience that came with me. There's still a lot of people that are like, 
I just found you. Where have you been for a year? I'm like, bro, I've been here. All right. And so that means at least the algorithm is kind of working. But my best advice is it's hard to say like, you know what? You can always chase the views, but guess what? Quite honestly, chasing views isn't fun. It's actually doing work you don't want to do. So to me, it's find your voice. And what is that? How does that happen? Repetition. This stuff doesn't happen overnight. The only reason I was able to make a transition from a big company here is because I've been working covering tech for 10 plus years. So that's where I paid my dues. I was fortunate if I worked for a bigger company at the time. Um, But none of this stuff just happens. Now, for some, it does. But if you look at every major creator, it's literally taken them roughly 10 years to get where they are today. And so, you know, they've all encouraged me and said, hey, you're killing it right now. I would have died to have as many, you know, views as you have or subs. Because also the sub number doesn't matter if people aren't watching your stuff. Okay. So what does that mean? Make great content that they want to come back to. That's what Viper said in the beginning. It is very key. And also enjoy the process. Many people starting to have a regular job and then they do videos on the side and you're exhausted and you're tired. Just make something that you're proud of. Make something that you would watch and start there before you start obsessing about, oh, advertising, monetization, <laughs> um, that that will come in time. But it, this is a process. This is not an overnight thing. And just, again, enjoy the ride. Year one, I, gr- I was grinding so hard. You know, we're talking about way staying up way, way too late, taking a toll on me. And this year, 2020, I said, you know what? I'm going to still enjoy it. I'm going to still pump out great content. I'm going to still pump out about the same content, but I'm not going to kill myself this year because quite honestly, even though people see a certain product on YouTube, like behind the scenes, life is what matters. You know, life, life, love, family, friends. I think more than anything, you know, I got a, I'm a huge NBA fan. I'm a huge Kobe Bryant fan, even though I'm a Warriors fan. Kobe Bryant's passing the tragedy in the helicopter with all those families, the um, Altabellas, um, so Bayans, Chesters, the Mausers, and the Bryants. You know, I want to shout out all of them because they don't get said enough. You got to realize when something like that happens, it tells you that nothing is given, nothing is guaranteed. And so I love doing what I do. I'm blessed to do what I do. But also I've got to enjoy life and the people that I love, that I see every day, that are part of my family. And so I don't want to kill myself if it means it affects those relationships to a certain degree. You know, there's balance in everything. So 2020 for me is the year of balance, but balance while hustling <laughs> no doubt man I, yeah you got to put the work in i am like people that listen to me they know i'm all about the grind man you got to grind to get you where you want to be nobody's handing you anything there's no shortcuts to success if you don't put in the work you're not going to get to where you want to be so you got to put in the work no doubt about it baby no doubt about it mm-hmm. I, just, I just you know i feel like giving grounded advice and just telling people like just enjoy it the process because i think younger folks and i'm not talking about people that are you, you know, the current 10 years plus, but people that are just getting into it, they, they want it to come really easy. I think, you know, some of the younger generations think this stuff is easy. They see success. Now they see social media. I want to be that. I want to be like, just do you and yeah. enjoy the process. It's important to enjoy the process. Absolutely. Like, like I said earlier, and like you said, you got to love what you do. If you don't love what you do, then what, what are you doing? Exactly. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't actually love tech, quite honestly. You know, I was fortunate to build up the skill set, but I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it. You and me both, man. You and me both. I've been here. I'm on year three now. So yeah, baby. You got to love what you do, baby. You got to love what you do. Yes, sir. So before we get out of here, who are some of your favorite creators on the platform? Oh, there's so many. I mean, obviously, <laughs> like, you know, MKBHD is the GOAT. I really actually. And the thing is, like, I have personal, you know, 
it's not like we hang out all the time, but I have, you know, good relationships with these people now right. because I'm part of the community. Whereas when I was over at CNET, we never talked, we never crossed paths. Now it happens more often than not. And so, you know, these are peers that I respected from afar, but now that I know, um, I love Jonathan Morrison's stuff. Yeah. TLD today. You know, I mean, I could go down. It's like, if I don't say people's names, it's not a slight, like, you know, okay. Quick story. I just and I met years ago on MySpace because she saw that my profile picture was holding an Apple product before, <laughs> before YouTube existed. So she is, she is as legit as they come from a fan who loves this stuff. She's like, I saw your profile picture. I love it. Do you want to be friends? And I was like, who's this girl from Pittsburgh? I was like, what? I'm like, all right, cool. Like that's, you know, that's how real she is. And so, you know, her John Rettinger, like I've just got quite honestly, I just got respect for all the creators because um, they, it takes a lot of like energy, effort, mental, you know, ups and downs to do this. And, you know, I don't, anyone that's a creator period got much love, nothing but respect. But I guess if you had to say those off the top of my head, you know, in the tech community, those are the ones that I love. But I, I will also tell you one thing. I rarely watch other people's stuff because I don't want it to influence my thing. I don't yeah. want them to say something that goes in my head. I'll watch other people's videos after I do my video. Yep, me too. So I think that's important to stay true to yourself. And I think that's why maybe like people say I have a different take or refreshing take because I don't watch what other people say. And, I, you know, it's no no disrespect. I'm just, you know, I'm doing my thing and having fun. And once in a while, you know, my, my biggest thing is like, put out a fun music video here and there because that's kind of some of my DNA. You know, I did like an iPhone 11 pro one up with old town road and they don't make me a single dime and I don't care because it's what I do to continue to enjoy this. Hey man, you got to do what you got to do. No doubt, man, no doubt. So we're going to get out of here in a few minutes, but I'm going to open it up to some questions from my man, Brian Tong. We got one from my man, Zach here. He wants to know your favorite song from sublime at the TLC party. <laughs> Dude, I don't even okay. Sublime is the type of band that I didn't follow. So, uh, what's this? Is it the Santa Marina song? That's the only one. I mean, <laughs> I was just having fun. I mean, they, they let's be real, they weren't my cup of tea, but it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I uh, I saw Renee's video, I think, yesterday or the day before. Uh, oh, yes. the day before. Oh, yeah. Renee, Renee Richie, another great creator, man. He's oh, cool. god, I love Renee. But yeah. watching the video, and you happened to make a cameo, and you were outside on the street, and you pulled up, and you uh, you were interviewing Argentina or whatever. Did you know who she was at that point? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we were friends. So the thing that there's a lot of context, that is actually one of my most favorite ridiculous videos where I basically went into the opening line of the iPad launch. It might be even called like iPad launch in San Francisco. It's basically like, you know, the stupid, silly man on the street, Conan type stuff when you just goof with people in the lines. And so that's what I did. So we knew each other and I just told her, hey, I'm going to ask you like, I don't know what's going on here because there's a long ass line so there's really like it's weird because there's no context to it but i'm i'm stoked that renee used it like he's a good dude <laughs> yeah renee is legit man. i love renee yeah, I've been i had him, him on my podcast yeah he's a good guy man there everyone is good that's what's crazy about all the creators are good people for like i would say 99 of them are good people no doubt man listen it's, it's funny that you were talking about earlier how all the other creators embrace you and things like that because i was talking to uh um marquez uh last week and I was telling him about this uh, taboo, it seems like, uh, in the YouTube tech space that, or just YouTube in general, that it's taboo for smaller creators to reach out to bigger creators. And me and Marquette, we both thought, this is dumb. We, we don't understand it. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, but if a smaller creator wanted to reach out and collab with you, what, 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 would, your, what, would, your, what would your advice be for that person? I mean, I'm pretty sure you'll be open to it. Yeah, it, to me, it's more about just, 
it's hard. I think the biggest thing is building a relationship with someone is kind of key. Like, yep. you know, I, even though you and I don't know, know each other, we've interacted enough where I was like, okay, you know, I feel comfortable, like, you know, jumping on his show and stuff like that. And it's like, it's not about, I've, you know, I've given plenty of people like opportunities to talk. It's more about quite honestly, it's kind of about more about my time and what I can give mm -hmm. more than anything personal. And like, yeah, quite honestly, like maybe, maybe I would do it with a, a young person or an upcoming YouTuber that literally just started and has like 100 followers. If I have the time and I'm just kind of like feeling it, I'll do it. Right. But our minds are so wrapped up in, you know, like creators are not only shooting for the most part, shooting, writing and editing to their own business person. They're answering their own emails. They're planning their next things. They're working on potential brand deals. And then they have their life outside of it. It's a lot. You're yep. doing 10 jobs. So sometimes it's not a slight, like, you know, there's creators that I want to work with and I haven't pushed it. And that's okay because like, I'll wait till I have time till the, if it takes a year to do it, it takes a year to do it. You know, like I'm not even tripping. I, I respect them all. And I, we all understand the game. So I just would say, don't take it personally. I did have one creator that wanted to do a video with me when I was at a, con a convention that I went on my own personal time. And I told them, you know what, this is not a slight at you. It has nothing to do with any of this, but I came here to this convention to enjoy and relax. And I didn't want to do a video with them, you know, and people have right. to respect that. I don't have that much personal time. I was there with my girlfriend and I'm like, you know, if the stars align another time, I'd be more than happy. But right now I just want to hang out at D 23 and have fun. <laughs> right. No doubt, man. And I'd be like, because he wanted to do like a five minute video. And I'm like, I just don't want to do that. I just yeah. don't, and I don't, it's not, and I'm not, I'm not big timing it. I don't big, I'm not even big time enough to big time anyone. So it's about just, sometimes it's just timing. So we had a question from Neil here. He says, do you connect your 16 inch MacBook Pro to an external monitor? If so, is the fan noise louder than when, uh, when doing so? Neil H, I do not yet. Um, I need to because even though the 16 inch is a great screen, I want to edit on a bigger screen, but I, I don't yet. So I actually haven't experienced that issue, unfortunately. So I can't really give you a clear answer on that one. So I uh, see Zach saying that uh, his biggest take, uh, biggest takeaway from CS, especially at the TCL party, was we're all the same kind of nerds, geeks about tech. Just some of them have been doing it longer. The passion is the same. Yep. It should so, be. I mean, let's be real. I've met people that I feel like might be more into it for business reasons. Like the, the love of tech ranges on different scales, and that's okay. Like I don't – you know, some people approach it more like a business. Some people approach it for the love and a business. Some people approach it for the love. Like – everyone is different it's not for me to judge but if someone kind of can some people can be a little slimier about things and it's it's like there's no need for that it's just not who i am so and on that note i think we're going to get out of here for the podcast portion of this for those of you all listening on audio only thank you very much for listening definitely appreciate you if you are audio only and you want to support the podcast there will be links in the show notes for you to do that also if you want to keep up with brian and all his exploits his information will also be in the show notes so Go down there and check out my man Brian Tall because he is definitely legit. But until the next time, people, this your boy Viper, the man about tech. You know where to find me. So come back for more.